0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Castle Rock Critical, where today we're going to be discussing episode three titled Local Colour. Uh, Local Colour, obviously referring to a major show or local show in the uh, Castle Rock universe that has been portrayed this season. Mm. Um, Today I'm just joined by uh, John. You are, mate. And Emma. Hi, guys. Uh, Emma, obviously, our resident bookie, who will. Not booky in terms of gambling. <laughs> yeah, that's so just, weird. Just a book person. Yeah. A book reader, if you will. Yeah, a bookworm. Book yes, gambling, a bookworm. Yeah. yeah, that's a good that's a good one. She probably should have led with that. Um no. she's gonna bring us King Corner this week and any sort of references to uh, any Stephen King novels that are in this show that she's picked up on. Um but episode three Uh, Hulu obviously decided to release the first three episodes, uh, in one go, a similar sort of format they've had with their Handmaid's Tale series, which is a great show. Go check that out if you haven't, um, makes it a very hard weekend for us. So basically our, what we've been doing is we've been watching an episode together, drinking, discussing, and then bringing you a podcast (laughs) and then watching another episode, drinking, discussing, and then recording a new podcast. And now... I have to say we're a bit cut. We've had a couple beers and we've watched the third episode. So I'm just You're saying,
1: I'm
2: right older.
0: Yeah, John's very slurry. So I'm just saying we've we've had some drinks. It's it's been a long working day for us, but we're here to talk about the third episode which personally I really enjoyed. I'm going to throw it to Emma first, the more positive member of the group in terms of stuff. John, the negative one. And after he has a beer, I can tell you something, he gets he gets restless. <laughs> so Emma, <laughs> Thoughts on episode three, local colour, a Molly-centric episode?
3: Bloody loved it. There you go. Um, For me, this is the best episode so far.
0: Wow, that's um, strong. I mean, that's interesting.
3: But I think personally, that's for, for some very literary specific reasons. So there's, there are some very lovely little tidbits here that hark back to some really specific parts of some of the novels that are set in Castle Rock. I loved focusing on Molly Strand. I think her character is really interesting. Her relationship with Henry, or you know, for all intents and purposes, main protagonist oh. in Castle Rock um, was very well done. It was really interesting to experience. I think it brought up a lot of questions and I think the ending of this episode also was was excellent. Now, if you um, haven't listened to our other two episodes or any other fan critical, our parent podcast content, yeah, boy. then you may not be familiar with the blueberry scale. Correct. Um, if you haven't listened to episodes one and two and our preview podcast of Castle Rock Critical, then go back and do that now. Um, but the blueberry scale is relatively simple. It is harsh but fair. Uh, it is a scale from zero to five blueberries and there can be no Halves. Yeah, it's
0: a tradition we've had for a long time, right? Em? It's, a, it's a tradition we've had since we were friends, absolutely, a long time ago, <laughs> long before long we time. started recording podcasts, yeah. and now we just work together. It's a working relationship now, yeah. isn't it?
3: If anything, it's a it's a historical rating scale, yeah, yeah, uh, at least for the fan critical, or as we are now currently branding uh, for this particular set of podcasts, the Castle Rock Critical Crew. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a blueberry rating. Uh, this episode for me uh, is five out of five blueberries.
0: Jesus, man.
2: That
3: is mental.
0: Was not expecting that at all from you, but (laughs) fair play. Um, I'm going to go go next because uh, I always go last. I'm Len, I'm your host. Uh, And I'm fed up with John, always been negative, second. So I'm going to (laughs) go now to be sort of mediocre, as it were. I think episode three has a character that I really enjoy in Molly being a central protagonist of the episode. John, see this is why I left him last because he doesn't (laughs) like the character of Molly. But I like the way that this episode is not necessarily a bottle episode because there are other things that happen in it. But I like the way that it's got a more specific focus.
3: It's a bit more single character centric, isn't it? Yes.
0: And I like some reveals in this episode. I don't like some others that much. Mm. Um, but I have to say, it's still a great episode of television. It's my least favourite one of the season, which is interesting. I'm still going to give it a four out of five blueberries because I think I still think it's a very, very Solid. good episode. John just hates me because I never give threes out. He just gets angry. The the, the town of Castle Rock is really taking shape now. Uh, I think it's his own character. It, they, they really set that out in the first episode and I think it's really been carried on very well in the last two episodes. Henry and Molly's relationship for me is fascinating.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's fascinating. And to have the two interactions, be albeit with a supernatural edge now from both sides actually um it's fascinating so i really like the episode it's my least favorite of the season but listen that is not a bad thing i think the first two episodes the first one excellent second one for me was a four this one's a four it's still very good and i'm you know i'm hooked if i could watch the next episode now i would watch the next episode now sadly i can't although for podcasting reasons i have to say it's going to be nice to have a break until about Mm. thursday um (laughs) my liver needs one john Mm. go
2: i mean it's three out of five uh, for me. Okay, what, what's the one positive I can take from this episode? Just uh, one. Well, no, but so to, to echo your thoughts there about wanting to see the next episode. I, yeah. Like, I do. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious I'm not a fan of this Molly character. No, yes, yeah, it's so interesting, um, though. Okay, well...
0: I'll and t- I've said that for the last two podcasts and the same day that we're <clears> recording <throat> this and watching this together. Well, I'll
2: tell you for why. yeah. Every time she's on screen, it feels like... And this might seem harsh. God. It feels like they're cheapening the show. Yeah. Like... Uh, the whole psychic thing and mm. uh, like uh, how it plays out where you can hear multiple voices and the way yes. that she reacts to it. It just feels a bit, I don't know, like I'm watching like fucking Charmed or like some fucking Channel 5 show or I something. Can,
0: like, com- I can understand where you're coming from. And it just that.
2: annoys me. And yeah. and if, if you're going to have an episode where that is constant, yes. then it's like, well,
3: this gonna... doesn't... I'm going to pull something out of King Corner here that Ooh. I think might help to ground... Don't ruin uh...
0: King Corner. No, don't no, no. ruin King Corner.
3: No, I think that... I mean, this is not a major King Corner thing. This is an opinion piece, but it would uh-huh. have kind there of fit go. into that. Go, yeah, go, go on. It. So Molly Strand uh, sees the memories, but also, as we see in her flashbacks, she sees what's about to happen with the people that she has in and around. In The Dead Zone, our protagonist, Johnny Smith, after his accident... Experiences the exact same thing. Mm. I think Molly Strand is based on Johnny Smith. Interesting. Which I think might, if you know much about the Dead Zone and yeah. how that storyline runs, yeah. I think that may potentially change your opinion on her. I, That's well, why I like I,
0: her. I think the idea we'll come on to it. Well, let's 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 get into the episode, but we'll come on to the whole psychic nature of yeah. Molly in a bit. Okay,
2: but can I just answer y- that? You may. I don't have an issue with the idea or the concept of the character is how it's been actioned in a okay. show like this yeah. interesting uh, the like, delivery
0: of it is you don't like the the sort of way that the the showrunners have chosen to illustrate her psychic abilities exactly that it, like, it, and, it, Yes. And, uh, i can understand that completely and her,
2: uh, her as well to be honest i mean she does annoy me I, I find it quite annoying
0: well let's get into it because the more we talk about the summary the less we you know discuss the finer the finer details of the episode good point you have The reveal from previous episodes that Reverend Diva did not die from the fall from the bluff. He just broke his back and he's recovering at home.
1: Mm.
0: Jesus, man. I did not expect, (laughs) A, Molly to be going over there. Number one.
3: Two. just that going over there was What the fuck?
0: You know, what the fuck? Stalky. She goes over there. She stands over his body, pulls out the tube. And I was sitting there going, she's not going to, is she? Mm. She's not going to, is she? And then she did. And I was sitting there going, wow, that is, I mean, that's what I like about this show. This show surprises me every single week, uh, every single week, every single day. We've watched it all in mm. one day. But it, it surprises me all the time. Like, I did not see her character. Like, I know you, John, you've been saying about her character that she's a bit too jovial, perhaps, too comical, too sort of like not in tone with the rest of the show. Mm. Now, jarring, now, this to yeah, me, she jarring, no, yeah. she she can be jarring, but this moment here from her is extremely in keeping with the show, mm. right? So it's it's interesting. Like you have this extremely dark opening. Um, Emma, thoughts on it? I mean, I'm just surprised we've got a reveal about how Reverend Diva died in episode three. Because the way they were stringing it out was like, he's dead. Well, no, he's not. He's, he's back at home. And now, literally, in episode three, we're like, hey, mystery solved. Molly did it.
3: Okay, so the first thing I'm going to address is the surprise that it happened in episode three. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I was surprised at the time, but I think it's a good thing. Because actually, the, the, the part that's most interesting about that entire story is what the fuck went on before that, really. Mm. And, you know, then what happened in those 11 days where... Henry was missing that's the bit that we yeah. really want to know about and but having said that Molly what the mother mm. like mm. that was pure psycho Really, for me, like yeah, I think so. Absolute batshit crazy. She went over there, she put on his hoodie, which was the weirdest Scary. Cre- creepy stalker action. That's, in that. that's
0: the thing in the box, right? That we, she, we've we yeah. seen her take out now. Uh, the hoodie and the missing in this stuff. episode. And, and he it,
2: wears like you see him wearing that hoodie later on in the episode. Oh, yeah,
3: episode. he's yeah. wearing really? it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's wearing it when he goes into her room yeah, and when yeah. he's burning the videotape. Yeah, I, I just, yes, I, I was shocked. I've got to admit, I was blindsided by it. But yes, I now understand a little bit more why she's so fucking weird with him.
0: Yes. Now, freaked
3: out by his arrival back in town.
0: Now, during the course of this episode, and we'll come on to it later, we get the impression that she obviously, and as Gareth has referenced in another podcast and called Right With The Cold Breath situation, Mm. is the fact that she's like um, an empath. That's the word, isn't it? It's, it's the empath. It's not a psychic necessarily. It's a light a, channel. Uh, yeah, it's like a Mantis out of Gardens of the Galaxy 2. Okay, she sure. channels emotions. It's not necessarily psychic. Mm. It's kind of like feeling what other people feel Yeah, she's intrinsically and interpreting linked, those emotions.
3: She's intrinsically linked yes. to Henry. I mean, we see that later in the episode where he's hearing his dad call him to come back and she clenches her fist and then he clenches his. Yeah. Okay,
2: but the, the, thing, the interesting thing with that is... Uh, is she just so in touch with him that she feels like she knows what he's going to do before yeah. he does it? Good or point. is she controlling what he does?
3: Very interesting point, don't know.
0: Okay, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of the fact that she might be able to control his emotions. Why not? But I like where you're going with that. Let's let's crack on with the episode because we're going to come back to these flashbacks later. We're going to also come back to Molly a lot in this episode because, let's face mm. it, it's a it's a Molly episode, which I like. And John... Isn't too keen on. Um, so it turns out that uh, Molly is friends with the old uh, Jackie Torrance. I know, right? I quite like that. They seem like quite a little bunch of misfits. I think I think their relationship seems quite... Um, not really friendly at this point, but sort of... Th- she's hiring Jackie to, you know, transport her gear for the local uh, colour interview. Uh, rather than them actually being friends. Yeah. I think they, they've only recently sort of got in touch with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like maybe we were talking about Jackie um, in the previous episode being fascinated with Henry mm. and the way that his story evolved and mm. sort of talking about um, even Nan's luncheonette, which we mentioned in King's yeah. Corner. Maybe she's fascinated with Molly because we don't know something about Molly yet. Mm. Like Molly was lived across the street from Henry. Yeah obviously in this episode she sees the box and stuff later on mm-hmm. so she knows that there's something going on with Molly so and maybe she she's fascinated has, by him by has her some,
3: Sorry. What, she a sex change yeah up. jesus um but she's she's clearly fascinated by the misfits isn't she and there is clearly I think something so. there is a hidden depth to molly um, that i think we're starting to see parts of i mean she killed around when she was what 13 12 13 yes i mean that was um, that's shocking
0: that's going to affect you yeah it's i'm going gonna, to say it's going to change you as a person, um,
3: probably yeah. uh,
2: just uh, an observation on uh, on jackie so the last episode yeah i don't know <laughs> i mean it's not massively important but it's just something i noticed yeah so um uh, when you first see her she's in the church she's got her feet up yeah on the old uh, on the old bench rude
0: and she wants to uh, go to prayer group with the guy who sleeps with corpses. Yeah, yeah yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember.
3: But anyway, but, no, uh, he graves, not... He didn't necrophiliac it. I assume yeah, that that's what... I
0: assume that's what it was. It but, might have done. Uh, that was me. Ugh. Might have
2: done. So, uh, she's got her feet up, very relaxed. Yeah. Next time you see her, in this episode, just sitting in a windowsill. Like, why
0: is she trying so hard mm. to just be this mm. casual, like... I think that is part of a... I, I, I know what you mean. She but I, you I think I, mean? I think that's buying into this thing that we were saying that she feels like a young sort of explorer in this town in renegade. some this, a renegade or explorer. Yeah. She's not like she's not angry teenager number one, like no, you said no, in no, periods, no, 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 or angry teenager number means. two who come into it later. She's but, yeah. angry
3: teenager number twelve. Do you also think that her kind of I want to say almost like laxadazial personality, where everything's kind of just like oh, she's happy and go, you know, happy all, go lucky. All and, work yeah. and
0: no play makes Jackie a dull girl.
1: <laughs>
3: well, do you not yeah. feel a little bit? Like
0: that. If it gets revealed that she's related to the Torrances in any way, shape, or form, it'd be spectacular. But I do think it's more of a sort of like, hey, this name exists in this mm. universe. This is a nice little fun thing to reference. Um, mm. After Jackie leaves with all of the all of the equipment to take over to the local color, which is this sort of reconstruction of the way that Molly sees the revitalisation of Castle Rock, mm. um, which is interesting because Henry wanted to leave Castle Rock and sort of forget about it. And Molly on the other side of the road has stayed there and wants to revitalise it. So Mm. there's a sort of interesting juxtaposition there. And we've been talking about a juxtaposition between these two characters. And speaking of Henry, he arrives. And this is when I think John's going to start getting a bit irritated by the episode. Uh, This is where we get the first evidence, at least we're obviously following it from molly's perspective so we have to take it with a pinch of salt that this is that this is actually real mm. um but we get the first real evidence that she is in some way empathetic or empath <clears throat> or psychic or whatever you want to call it and she can sense henry arriving mm. before he arrives john you didn't like the delivery or the artistic decision By the showrunners or the director to illustrate her psychic abilities.
2: Well, okay. So, I mean, you've picked that out. So I know that you must have some sort of feel Mm. that that looked a bit shit.
0: I agree with you that I've seen this sort of thing handled better in other shows. I do think that the character of Molly is essentially a lot of shows that we follow have a character that not is not not saying the comic relief i'm not saying that at all but i'm saying that they, no. they have the ability to deliver humorous lines to sometimes you, know, you don't want it to be dark and dreary the whole time and i think a show like castle rock definitely needs some dark humor yeah and i think she gives that i just think that the psychic reveal here was so abrupt
2: why are what are you doing here
1: I have a client over at the prison, a real mess. Like oh, me. Cheerios. She me twenty-four
3: hours from Tulsa. Where are you going next? Does the tape get erased? She's hey, I'm all witness. Uh, good
0: luck. And we have to sort of believe it to an extent because we hear her hear things when she's talking to to Henry, mm. like Cheerios, mm-hmm. and like and 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 um, the the honky tonk bar and all yeah, this sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So you know that there's no way she can know that information. Yeah.
3: yeah. Do you think it would have been better if the demonstration of her psychic or empathic abilities had been visual, not audio? I Maybe. think I
0: think that might have been stronger
3: because. So, if thinking back to the comparison I made between Molly Strands and Johnny Smith in the novel of the Dead Zone, yeah. um, you you flip between current time and then it will like a sentence will end mid-sentence yeah. and then move into another time which is the flashback or yeah. the psychic vision or whatever the ki- it might be. The, ki-
0: the kick that he needs to sort of visualise yeah. what's going on, yes. And I
3: wonder if it had been interspersed visually instead of just audio or, or, or audibly. And, and you know... It might, might have... Been received better by someone
0: and I, and I who think feels like you do and I think to be honest with you, the strength of the first two episodes and we've referenced it quite a lot is the flashback sequences and even in this episode, to be honest with you but um that may
3: also be why they've not done that like that
0: because they, they don't they want to they differentiate
3: do you think that um and if what my assumption here is is accurate that she is modeled on Johnny Smith do you think yeah. the choice to make her um, somebody different was a good or a bad one? Yeah. If, if that is the case. I think
0: psychic abilities um obviously play a massive part in Stephen King law and novels, be it Carrie, be yeah. it um like you've mentioned Frank Dodd, be it um other no. works that he has done, like mm. there are there are elements of psychic many. ability throughout so many of his works.
3: Even needful things to an extent.
0: Yeah, and you know what? In this town, if it's cursed and there's all this other stuff going on, I, I have to say there has to be a psychic element in there. There has to be. For me, I just think that's very stereotypical of his works in in and around these towns. And you're seeing, like you mentioned, John, like with some of the shows that you like, like Erie, Indiana or something, there's loads of stuff going on. It's a very busy... I want it to be busy. I want it to feel like all these characters have their mm-hmm. own individual things. And if Molly's is that, then that is fine. It
2: feels like they're trying to squeeze quite a lot into... first three episodes. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I think it will mellow out as the season goes on, because mm-hmm. now they're going on a weekly basis. Which so is fine. And, yes. and
2: those later episodes will get higher scores.
0: We have a flashback, as we've talked about, in uh, the excellent use of flashbacks in the first two episodes. Um, the flashbacks in this episode are very Molly-centric. However, this one, for me... Steals the show, so.
3: Not quite in the right way, but. No, I
0: can't believe this. So I'm just going to go for it because I I actually think it's genius scripting, by the way, because it's blown my mind. Lady
3: to do the lady. I'm
0: not. We're not. No lady parts here. Do the lady parts. No lady parts here. Well, we all Um, do, don't we? I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read it. This is this is this is a flashback, and this is uh, this is Henry saying, "You know, he's not my real father." Obviously, she says. Yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah obviously. obviously. She laughs. It says laughs here. In my script, it says laughs. Yeah. Um, then she says, I can't get over this. I know what you do in your room. <laughs> Touching your thing Ooh, yeah. feels like fireworks. <laughs> I have to say, it's never felt like fireworks. No. I have to say that, John. As yeah. a man. Yeah. Not fireworks. No. Um, so... I'm just going to have to go back there. She just went for it, mate. Um, not when you stub your toe. It hurts. Just, yeah. you know, this kid. I, I'm sorry. Off, th- it feels like fireworks. But this kid, right, he's been adopted. He feels like an outsider. Yeah. There's clearly some sort of bad relationship with his father. He wants some private time. He goes, oh, just, just one moment of peace. Please, God. Turns out, psych across the road. Yeah, feels everything he does. Poor kid. Also, Can't believe it. He's not
3: helped himself here because they flash lights at each other, <clears> didn't they? So, yeah, but well, here's Is ones, that like it?
0: a nineteen nineties thing to do? I mean, flashing lights instead of what? Uh,
3: yeah, well, it's like it's like they... texting. It's going.
0: Right? Jesus, Morse code.
3: Given that yeah.
0: he's, no. I was born in eighty-seven, man. What? I I I, I didn't flash lights. Like at, I didn't flash lights at nobody. Mm. oh constantly flashing lights um here's one for you yeah go on
2: so if he's having a wank go on and uh and she can feel go on pleasure where's this going is that not are they not having sex there or
3: ooh, well i don't know but that's an interesting question is it almost like psychic it's almost like voyeurism it's the
0: age-old question what Mm -hmm. does it feel like for the other sex She basically can feel, and this is going back to the empath thing that we mentioned earlier in the episode, she feels what he feels. Mm. When you're out there in the woods, it's like I'm out there with you.
3: Little thing here to hark back to episode two. Little thing, go on. Do you think that there's some kind of um, comparative uh, (laughs) display? Jesus, not peacocks. Yeah. of Molly's uh, psychic or empathic abilities and the potential psychic abilities of the kid.
0: Very good point. Obviously, the kid at this at this juncture seems to have um, some sort of abilities, unknown to himself, potentially. Yeah, Honestly, I, I, think, I, I think he doesn't understand his power.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with that.
0: Mm. I so, And I think I Molly, Molly clearly understands her power enough to medicate it and control it. Mm. Whereas I think the kid at this point is, uh, like I said in previous <laughs> podcasts, I think he's been brought up in a cage, told he's a certain thing for a certain reason and he doesn't really understand the nature of his abilities or the nature of his his purpose
3: his intellectual development has clearly been massively stunted yeah so that to me says that he's been in that cage yeah i think the comparison is interesting and i wonder whether that might come back to
0: maybe maybe so uh molly has got a local color interview coming up and uh she goes back to work on it house has been broken into nightmare weird Very. it was kind of weird really fucking weird she's kind of like just acts like it's kind of normal as well oh don't worry I didn't take anything it's a bit like mm, broken in again broken in again so it's a bit strange Jackie's like oh you should you know I'll clean this place up for you no fuck off I need to work on my local colour presentation trying on loads of outfits doing her usual spiel we keep getting uh visualisations here of her killing Reverend Diva that we had at the start And we know that she has nightmares because she had that at the start of the episode of of her being in his congregation Mm. and everyone covered up with these creepy bandages. Very, very scary. And there's something later on which sort of mirrors that, which we'll come on to.
3: But we talked in the first episode about um, a massive Stephen King trope is the uh, sins of the past coming back to haunt
0: you. Yes, 100%.
3: And if anything, I think up until this episode, we thought that that was going to be predominantly focused around Henry D. Either. Yeah, and actually, I think of all of the people here in terms of what we understand about their past, Molly Strand's past sins are consuming her at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. and it's fascinating, and that's
0: so why she needs that oxy, that sweet, sweet oxy. And guess what, guys? She's run out. She's gone. She's gone dry. Right, so
3: ethical,
0: she drives over to Teenager Number One, as we call him. Stereotypical um, Teenager Number the fuck One. What are s'mores. they eating? Really? They're
3: eating s'mores, which are biscuits, chocolate, and melted marshmallows. And I you know, never but how they had a look a fucking
0: crackhead? So why are they like? Well, they got the munchies, mate. Yes,
3: yeah,
2: munchies. Oh, munchies, I don't mate. Know. Yeah, but they've eaten. That's an
0: elaborate munchies. snack for a munchie. I have to say so, um,
3: that's too much for the American man. audience here. Gotta say, s'mores are probably one of the best inventions you've ever made.
0: I've it? never had a s'more. <gasps>
3: He's I don't even smalls. like chocolate, but I fucking love a small.
0: I and I love sweet things, so I'm a bit devastated by that. Oh. I right, say um, here's a
3: promise. Next time we do uh, our podcast, I will make s'mores. There
2: you go. That is a bombshell for the podcast.
0: Don't so act. he's run out as well. He's he's you know supply demand. His grand apparently not around.
3: You said that so chill. Is is Nand not brought in the drugs that he deals in Castle Rock yet? Because she's, yeah. what she has got gout or something? Oh, she's got I think, gout, I think yeah. they say
0: he got gout. Yeah,
3: um, get gout. And
0: then stereotypical teenager number two comes out with one of the best lines I've ever heard in my life. How many minions
1: you kill to make that jacket?
3: Six. Kit. <laughs> yeah. I was
0: loving that. Yeah. I have to say. Second best line it. of that
3: scene. Six.
0: Six. Yeah, just straight away six. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I like Molly because she's abrupt yeah. humour and I really enjoy it. And, and I think her, that tonally is in keeping with Castle Rock. However, teenager, like? teenager number one refers her to uh, Derek, obviously. Derek, of course he's got some oxy. Of course he bloody does. And I quite like this episode because it's sort of like a Molly adventure trying to get to her interview. It's a classic sort of thing. Like, got a big interview in the morning. It's all going wrong. I need to find something. That's going wrong. It's
3: like a fucking comedy sketch. It is kind of. It's very comical. Except it's not.
0: For her, no. Because every time she closes her eyes, she sees Reverend Diva threatening her. I'll be honest. Even
3: what she sees with her eyes open, we're about to get there. Yeah. Fucked up.
0: So... Derek, turns out, um, this has to be one of the weirdest, I have to say weirdest things I've ever seen. This is obviously a very good mirror of Molly's congregation scene, but reenacted with kid court where they're all wearing, I have to say this, the most horrific animal mask I've ever fucking seen. Awful. What are they thinking?
2: I'm, I'm looking for someone.
1: Go on
0: with your testimony. I don't care about your your game, okay? Sit down. Just tell Derek I'm here.
2: If you want what you came for, then sit down. I won't tolerate any further interruptions. I will have order in this court.
1: The court appreciates your Where testimony. Where are your court. parents? they the to the stand.
0: Our moms are out drunk, but our daddies are at Shawshank. All of them?
1: You understand that you were on trial for murder? Y- yes, Your Honor. You understand that these charges carry the penalty of death?
0: Wasn't me. Say not guilty if it wasn't you. I'm not guilty, Your Honor. But the person who murdered is in this courtroom.
1: Point to him.
3: What is this?
2: <laughs> OK, I don't know what this is, but somebody take me to Derek right now.
1: Appeal
0: denied. What does the jury say?
1: Guilty! 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 guilty.
3: So my biggest thing in terms of any kind of horror or thriller or anything, especially if it comes like possessed things, children in horror films hate it. Yeah. This entire weird jury of masked, <clears throat> terrifying, homeless, parentless children, fuck off. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's scary. As they, they, they just for me, this is the this is the scariest thing we've seen. I'm yeah. just saying it right now. I, I love horror films, and I, totally I agree. and I find things like this more unnerving than say your stereotypical like we've said rummage through the dark oh there's a person or <laughs> rummage through a house later on oh where's the killer like I don't I don't uh, that doesn't scare me or this sort of stuff unnerves off a cliff me cliff
3: and decapitate yourself worse than that I, yeah.
0: en- I enjoyed that but, well uh, you are <laughs> sick and twisted like no I'm joking I just it, enjoyed right, the creativeness of it
2: so even before that yeah, you go got on. Molly she pulls up to this fucking shithole yeah uh, and there's just a little kid just
0: playing on her own just chilling out late night well, that's the thing that just, she she bowls
2: up. She's like, "What are you doing out
0: here? Um,
3: are you all right?" Um, yeah.
0: And the thing about yeah. Stephen King uh, books and something something very prevalent in say something like It is the fact that the parents look down on the children, mm. don't really look after the children. Sort of, they're a They're, they're the parents are always a dark aside to. The children's lives mm. and and that is kind of happening here like obviously these kids have abandoned henry mm-hmm. to an extent has his mother but his father seemed very distant from him from what we've seen in this episode mm-hmm. and very differing views as a child a father-son relationship yeah. yeah molly's parents they're gone we assume because uh she's just got her house mm. um alan pangborn who rescued Henry as a young child and as an alternate father figure at this yeah, stage you would say figure, yeah. is completely distant. So you've got Stephen King's works and, and Emma you'll know about you know we've said this with it that the parents are scary. Mm. They're not friendly. They're not like looking after their kids. The kids are left to run amok and that's kind of what's happened here. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's
3: a really fucking overt um, description of this when one of the weird, scary kids without a mask says, oh no, our daddies are all in Shawshank and our mothers are all out drunk. Awful. So now yeah. we're here, here holding court about attempted that fucking murder. murder yeah, yeah. And there was a part of me and there's I mean Derek at later Point who is, Girl you know, desert. the judge. Del Boy. Del Boy. British. Del Boy for
0: British. We'll call him yeah. Del Boy. Yeah. You know, so Derek reveals this whole sort of game which is quite terrifying for molly obviously on a come down from her oxy and having these visions and then to have that reenacted everyone's going guilty guilty mm. guilty yeah. she leaves in a bit of a, a bit of a faff she's like right just give me the fucking oxy he's like let me see your tits she's like <laughs> <laughs> she's like fuck off i'll give you a hundred for x amount
3: 100 for 10
0: standard for 10, yeah. standard uh you know as we've said this episode is very sort of like you know She's got that big interview in the morning. It's all going to go wrong. Police turn up, busted. Game over. Game over, Molly. Guttered. Guttered, Molly babe. Absolutely gutted. Um, this local color. Henry uh, is in the police station, coincidentally, and hears of of uh, Molly's incarceration. Bails her out, and she reveals to him because she was obviously very standoffish before. She wanted to just get him out of her life uh, because obviously. From the flashbacks and everything that's happened, we we garner that she was obsessed. We garner that it, the emotions were too strong for her. She bears all to Henry and says, "Look, I feel what you feel. You are my Bee Gees song. You are my, you know, the song that I can't get out of my head. Mm. Essentially, sure, which is quite it's quite sweet though. Hey, hey, I love the Bee Gees. Oh, they're fantastic. Unbelievable. I um, think, Barry um, Gibb, legend.
3: Oh, the Gibbs. Um, I I think actually her reveal here was there is part of me that at the time went, oh God, it's too quick.
0: Yeah, it is very sudden.
3: But I do think it's important to get that out of the way. And
0: it's in her character as well.
3: Yeah, very much so. And I think she did it really well. She's quite scatty. I think she also describes it really well. You know that that sense of and we've all been there having a song stuck in your head
0: and, and not being able to think
3: of anything else. Yeah. Then I think after that made her, you know, being kind of clouded and that kind of whole underwatery feeling of only yeah. being able to think of one thing hmm. easier to relate to than it was maybe in those first scenes where she was with Henry. Yeah. And it felt a bit clunky. Yes. You know, which is a kind of We did what say what it was clunky. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um Henry being the good good man he is because i think we Lovely all agree nice. that henry is a good guy barring mm. his past uh which we cannot account for 11 days of um he worrying worrying very you know Deceptive. very weird he uh he offers to quickly rush her to the local color interview which is the whole sort of premise of this episode the name of the episode mm. um he gets her there and like her sister said in the previous episode we always knew this was going to be a car crash yeah. doesn't matter if she had turned up with her medication doesn't matter if she had turned up without a medication with half of her shirt ripped and makeup all over her face and her hair not done or whatever, you know, she was never going to really pull off what she wanted to pull off here, which is the revitalization of Castle Rock. Mm. Um, However, what she does do here is something that I think is much more interesting is she uses the opportunity to be so fucked up that she helps Henry out by Mm. using her, abilities to understand what the issue is with the kid in car, in the Shawshank and tell the whole community
3: about the, of, kid.
0: About the kid and the warden's cover-up. Mm. So that a was sec. a good twist. And I have to say, I was not expecting that.
3: I wasn't expecting it. And I thought she'd just massively fuck it up. But I mean, I know that, John, you, you don't really like this character. And then you're probably in between the two. Of us. I like
0: her. I like her as a character. And yeah. I like her as the, as the episode goes on. I, I like her much more.
3: I thought two things I thought about this whole scene about the local colour interview. Um, one was that the psychic ability or the empath um, ability was much better produced than it was earlier in the episode.
0: Yeah. It feels Second, more natural.
3: Yeah. It felt more realistic I thought to yeah, me actually. He's
0: out on the phone she's trying to have her makeup done and that, yeah that for me that but was she's better. she's kind
3: of it's like when you get sunk underwater and you can't hear what's going on. Yeah. But I think secondly watching her fuck that up was like, cringe. It was real heartbreaking and uh, cringy. There's
0: something about watching people on live television fail.
3: Hmm.
0: Maybe why things like X Factor, Pop Brilliant. Idol, all these things are so good. America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent, whatever. Yeah. So that's why love the audition stages. That's why everyone just watches the auditions. As soon as live shows come around, forget about it because the live ones are always all right. It's always auditions. Oh, yeah,
3: judges' houses, thought. they're all right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 judges' houses. We'll go for that. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was brutal, but she used it in a good manner. And now the warden, coincidentally, saw this, uh, invites Henry to Shawshank to say, oh, well, you know, yeah, sorry about that. You know what it looks <clears> like. <throat> Here's a deal. We'll give him $300,000 a year. Uh, is it a year? No, $300,000, sorry, oh, yeah, um, okay, yeah. which is more money than i will ever receive in the rest of his life because he's mm-hmm. never going to get a job that ends anywhere near that sort of money. Yep. Um, he just has to say that it's nothing to do with the prison's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh and Henry's like, well, fuck that. Because at this stage, Henry believes, and and we all, you know, in Henry's position, believe that this kid is a normal kid. This kid is a, is a guy yeah. who's been abused.
2: He doesn't he, even know, though. That's the point. No,
0: but he just... Henry doesn't believe in anything superstitious at this point, he's really. He's onto a winner here. Yeah, well, he's... This might be a case he can win. He's, he's sitting there going, the one of my clients is not going to die this time. <laughs> Hoorah! I mean, as so, far so. as... If he dies at the end of this whole season, the kid... Yeah. His track record for clients is appalling.
2: There you go.
0: You would not hire him. This finally gets us to the point we've been sort of striving towards for the last couple of episodes, which is um, Henry finally meeting the kid and having a conversation with him.
3: Love, love, Um, love this.
1: I'm your lawyer now. And your lawyer is telling you that we have a brand new strategy from this moment. You want to keep saying my name? Great. Just don't tell anyone yours. You've got no name, you've got no charge, no crime, no story. As crazy as that may seem, that's the best thing you have going for you, so... I won't ask, and you don't tell. You understand? How's it begun? A new game plan starts now. Okay? Okay? Okay. Good. There's an offer on the table. Prison wants to cap punitive damages in exchange for letting you walk. I say we employ the tried and true legal strategy of go fuck yourself. Sounds better in Latin. In about a week, a circuit court judge is going to hear our habeas request. There'll be about half an hour of uh, witness testimony and then you're gonna walk out of that courthouse a free man the day after we file for civil damages. And when that's over, you're gonna own the whole damn county. Turn this place into your boat garage. Post. That's right. How many years old are you? <laughs> Thirty-nine.
3: There's I... these
0: weird lines thrown in there from the kid. Go on, Em. Chomping at the bit.
3: Can I throw a weird theory in? Yes. No. So my feeling when this happened um, was that he was asking him how many years old he was or how many years he had uh, to compare himself to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
3: But I also think when he then followed that up with going, do you hear it now? That they have a connection. And I think those 11 missing days connect the two of them.
0: Yeah, I I think there's a strong possibility.
3: And I don't know how it's going to be really fucking weird, but I definitely think there's a connection between them from those missing 11 days.
0: I think they've met each other before. I think they've interacted before. Obviously, the supernatural element makes it difficult to understand that in some way, shape or form. But the Mm -hmm. fact that we've got an age now of 39 we don't know how old the kid is we'd probably say early 20s maybe mm. early 20s they could have crossed you could paths as teenagers between 20 to 30 uh, those 11 days well we, we can't argue with age and time and all of these sorts of elements that can come into it i mean it's a supernatural <laughs> show so mm. anything goes at this point mm. um i definitely think they've got history i i agree with you completely Emma. i, I think yeah. they i think they've crossed paths before
3: somewhere somehow in some yeah
0: I mean I don't think the kid's well, human. I don't think he's human. I think he's he's something else.
3: Well, we talked about the fact that is he Pennywise.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he's Pennywise, he's like a <laughs> semi deity who comes from another dimension or whatever. But hey,
3: but 27 years.
0: Exact. Well, that uh, 27 yeah. years thing is weird. I mean,
3: that is anyway. Weird,
0: yeah. Um we end the episode after that chilling conversation. Uh we end the episode with Molly returning to her house broken into again. Mental. Uh what is security there.
3: Uh do you think that she's doing it?
0: Well, that's interesting.
3: Maybe. In a haze.
0: That's interesting. I mean, <laughs> she she wanders up the stairs. You have the classic, which room is the killer in? She sees the thing that's been haunting her this whole episode without her drugs. Mm. Reverend Diva coming after her. She can't close the bathroom door and then he's gone.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, we know she has abilities because mm. the show has overtly told us that. And it would be breaking their rules, to the rules they've established, to say that that, 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 that this this is all in her head. Mm. So what the fuck's going on here then?
3: But if it's all in her head, and if that's what we believe, then she has to be the one who is destroying the house, and this has to be her in a think, haze of drugs. I think
0: there's a possibility that that she is behind some of her own drama.
3: I also wonder if there's a possibility that something even more supernatural is happening here.
0: Well, as we as as Terry O'Quinn's character alluded to, and as Alan Panborn has said specifically... The town and its problems have been going on for decades, cursed, like Salem, like these other New England towns. And Mm -hmm. they they believe that imprisoning the kid deep down there in that bunker uh, stopped these atrocities from happening. Maybe when the kid says, has it begun? He's been told, like, because of you, all these bad things happen. Mm. He's asking, have all the bad things started to happen again because of my release? Mm. That's what I'm thinking they're going for at the moment. I, I think it's more over, I think it's going to be more intricate, sorry, than that. I think it's going to be very confusing and a bit more interweaved with everyone's narratives. And I, I just think at the moment, it's kind of a simple idea like put the kid away, everything's okay. Yeah. Keep the kid out, stuff's <coughs> going bad. Mm. Didn't rhyme, but hey. Um, but yeah, so that's the episode, guys. I like it. I like it a lot. I don't like it as much as the other two episodes. I think the other two episodes have elements that are much stronger. Um, but now it's time to move on to the tried and trusted and growing segment, which is King's Corner.
1: I'm innocent, Red. Just like everybody else here. The house is burning. Hi, Georgie. I'm afraid I have a tendency to turn up the heat. Red Rocks.
0: Bad run! Creepy carry, creepy
3: carry! You <laughs> Welcome back to King's Corner. Uh this hey week. You. This week we have a few less uh references or Easter eggs than we have done in the first two episodes. Babe. Bit of a shame, but what we've got is some rather obscure ones, oh, yeah. Um and very small ones too. Small on. and obscure this week. Sincere. Um So we've already discussed <laughs> the fact that in this episode, um I think the comparison between the character of Molly Strand yeah. and Johnny Smith from The Dead Zone yeah. is becoming much more apparent. Uh So if you've ever read that novel... Yeah, the traits are similar, aren't they? Very similar traits, very similar experience, except for the fact that... Uh, Johnny's inverted commas psychic abilities uh, seem to occur after a significant accident and a coma. uh, Apart from some kind of hints in his childhood, (laughs) whereas Molly's have
0: yeah, Molly might have had an accident when she was a younger kid. Who Who knows? knows? Out by frozen lake, perhaps, Mm. which sounds you know very Stephen King. Down the stairs happened
3: to Johnny Smith. Funnily enough, could have
0: happened to her as well. Who knows?
3: Um, But along those lines, and this is a little tidbit that I picked out that um, (laughs) has not as far as I can see, been picked out by the internet as of yet. So. Oh, oh no, no, Let her go. Let me go. So uh, when Jackie and uh, Molly are talking about the town model, mm. uh, before she's about to go on her interview for L- Local Colour, She's uh, spending a lot of time gluing together a gazebo that oh, she yeah. is putting into the middle of the new revitalised town model. Yeah. Now, the first murder committed by the Strangler, Frank Dodd, which oh, features yeah. in the Dead Zone, was of a local waitress slash uh, easy woman. Was a
0: gazebo? Did he kill a gazebo?
3: In the gazebo. Oh shit. So the first Wrangler murder in Castle Rock was in a gazebo. Well, that's quite interesting. And this is what Molly is trying to recreate. So for me, the first thing I thought was, fucking hell, it's Dead Zone.
0: So she's hmm. she's very linked to Dead Zone then, isn't she?
3: Hugely. And I, I think she is the recreation of Johnny of um, Smith.
0: Hmm. There was one that I saw on the internet which interested me. Recently, Netflix adapted uh, Gerald's Game, uh, which is a...
3: Yeah, it's a good one. It's
0: a good film, actually, on Netflix. is very disturbing. And there is... Arguably the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in any film. On that, you know, it's it's just disgusting. Oh, give us some the, sort of. It's it's gore, cool, mate. It's to do with like limbs a, and stuff. This
3: is a great um, great reference in this.
0: So we see in this episode, we see uh, the kid uh, have his prison lunch, and he's got like some fruits there. He's got a little sandwich. He's got some crisps or chips, as the Americans might say, but potato uh, chip, potato chips. He uh, he gets rid of all that and he just eats the bread. And uh, Zed, our boy Zaluski, Zelowski, Zelensky, uh, says no. um, I struggle with his name still. Um, yes. Says that he's just eating Wonder Bread every day. Um, and Wonder Bread in Gerald's game is there's a really creepy character in Gerald's game that eats <laughs> a tongue sandwich, a human. Tongue sandwich Why? with wonder bread. So it's just a little link there, but it's just very. Would you disturbing. like
3: the actual sentence from the novel that describes this? Yes, please. The thing poking out from between the two slices of wonder bread was clearly a human tongue.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, and, and this guy's weird. I mean, if you haven't seen Gerald's Game, I and you and it's just it's a disturbing film, but honestly, watch it. Um, it's quite good. Um I think it's a decent adaptation. I've not read the book, but from what I've read online about people who, who know this stuff, they say it's a good adap- adaptation yeah. um and as I said, there were a very there's a few disturbing scenes in that film, one of which i and i I'm okay with gore I love kind of gory old school horror films I, you know I think they're funny um <laughs> this for me was almost a step too far um so check it out.
3: Fancy a bit of Fancy a bit of levity after that. Uh, yeah, go for it. So here's a little tidbit that I picked up from the internet. I didn't pick it up myself. And I will admit that I learnt this from the World Wide Web. Oh, yeah. Uh, when we get the scene where Molly, teenage Molly, invites Henry to come and see her room. Oh, yeah. And, on the tell, wall, and
0: tells him about the wanking.
3: The fireworks. <laughs> yeah. When he touches this thing.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Uh,
3: oh, there is wow. a poster on the wall of the Ramones. Okay. Which uh, signified two things. In the Stephen King world, one it's one of Stephen King's favourite bands. Secondly, can't
0: imagine him listening to that. But go on.
3: Secondly, uh, they produced the theme tune for the original uh, Pet Cemetery. The film
0: Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Fucking hell, that's good.
2: That is a did
3: very they very yeah. They did. The Romans, I yeah. need to hear it. <laughs> So it's time for the final, <coughs> final part of King's Corner. <laughs> Deal. Remember that lovely scene with the kids in the weird, and freaky ass masks.
0: Yes. Well, I can never forget that scene.
3: No. Just like I can never forget the fucking adaptation of Children of the Corn, okay. probably one of the most famous they adaptations are all in a room of Stephen at one King. Point
0: being a bit weird, aren't they? But it's weird in general. But I remember that being mm. very disturbing.
3: I oh, am. Yeah. So when I watched it, I was thinking, I know this. This is this is making me think of something. It also weirdly made me think of Lord of the Flies, uh, which is not oh, no, I, 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 I think yeah. the,
2: I think the Lord of the Flies thing is makes more
0: sense than yeah. Children, uh, of, the Children of the Corn. And we had the neo-Nazi reading that book in the last episode. We so did. There is a we sort did. of link there.
3: Well, yeah. so I'm kind of torn between the Children of the Corn <laughs> uh, and Lord of the Flies, but. Either way, there is something very fucking creepy about that whole thing. Oh, they're creepy, yeah. And it could link to a number of different things. Also, in a way, made me think of a horror version of Bugsy Malone.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah, Yeah, it could do. Like
3: Bugsy crossed with Chicago, but with kids and more murder. There you go. There you go. And that's that. And that is how we end King's Corner for this week. Um, Hopefully, next week we'll have a lot of uh, more intriguing, in-depth, surprising Easter eggs and. literary tidbits
0: Thanks for that M. So um that's it. I have to say thank you Hulu for um releasing three episodes at once. It has made our day very very long um, and enjoyable. But I have to say by this point I'm very cut I'm very drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know it, it I am also pissed. John gave up about an hour ago. So if you don't hear his voice <laughs> it's cause she- he's given up. Face. Um plus this episode wasn't his favourite because of he doesn't really enjoy the Molly character as much. But, but I have to say, watching the show with you guys have been great. Podcasting in one day day has been an experience. Thank you everyone to listening uh, to hopefully these first three episodes of Castle Rock critical. I think the show has built some very strong foundations. I think we are in for a great season and I think Hulu's pedigree is really sort of going up and up and up. I mean, Handmaid's Tale is great. This is also good uh, so far. And I'm hoping that that it's going to be something for many seasons to come. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, if you have enjoyed this, please do subscribe. Um, that's important to us. We're trying to build a following, as it were. Um, we have other followings for other shows, and we're trying to build this one as a whole new community. And we hope that our community can sort of uh, interact together because we have a parent podcast, Fan Critical, which has all of our old coverage in The Walking Dead, Black Mirror, Stranger Things, Game of Thrones, Marvel movies, all of that jazz. So if you're interested in anything that we've just listed there, just search Fan Critical on any app Uh any podcast app, Spotify, you go for it. Subscribe, feel free. Hosts of Westworld, they that's our solo Westworld coverage. Any app, Spotify, once again, check it out. We have been Castle Rock Critical. Today I've been joined by John. So ya. Emma.
3: Thanks, guys. I've been your host,
0: Len. And uh, the next episode will be out next Friday. So two days after the release. Every episode on Hulu is released on a Wednesday. We'll watch it, chat about it on a Thursday and release on a Friday. So, guys, thanks very much. Appreciate the support and uh, join us again for the fourth episode. Thanks.
3: Good night. See ya.
0: Bye.